Hey guys, it's me, Ben, coming to you on behalf of the Unschooled and Ordinary team. We've been talking about the power of our stories, so we wanted to share some bonus episodes about stories of faith and healing. These stories are life-changing, and they all shine a light on God's faithfulness to us, even in our darkest season. We hope today's conversation is an encouragement to you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to our podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. I'm here with my good friend, Richie Williams, and we are going to be talking about his story and just what he has seen God do in his life. So we hope that you will be encouraged from our conversation today and that it will lead to hope and healing in your life and in the lives of people who you come in contact with. So Richie, what's up, man? How are you feeling today? Oh man, I have felt better, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you've been a little under the weather, huh? I have, yeah. Not feeling the best today. That's all right. That's all right. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming to share your story. Yeah. Um, Richie's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for forever. Went went to high school together. Used to play basketball together from time yeah. to time, and um, just have always uh, been friends and known each other. So it's cool to to be able to converse with him and for you guys to glean from his story. So, Richie, tell us just a little bit. Um, tell us about your family. Where do you work? Where do you serve at the church? Yeah, um, my name's Richie Williams. My wife's name's Heather, and um, I have a daughter that's 17, and her name is Carissa. I'm a uh, State Farm agent here in Hattiesburg, uh, over there by T-Bones Records, and uh, we've been really... I would say we've been a part of Venture Church, really plugged in for two years, and we've probably been going there a little bit longer. Um, we Right now, we're helping lead a uh, house church. We had a house church in the past, but we're currently building a new house. So we're uh, helping with a good friend of mine lead theirs when he is going for work. Awesome. Yeah, ended up having, I mean, we say it's a house church, but it was it was probably one of the largest churches in Stone County. Yeah, there was there's a lot of people there. We got a little fat. We had a few. So you sold your home. We right. ended up uh, multiplying that house church, yeah. uh, broke it up into three ways. So three house churches came out of you and Heather's, and now, like you said, helping helping lead that house church. Carissa, your daughter, golf pro. Yeah, yeah. She she's been taking some time off. She needs to get back into it. Season will be coming around before, oh, yeah. before you know it. That's right. And you know, here here to meet anybody's insurance needs. Huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> right. let's, let's not do a sales pitch. Again, Richie Williams at State Farm next to mm. T. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so. You, you know, you play play a lot of golf too, as well. Is that where uh, not as gets much, it from? Yeah, not as much as I used to. Um, I really just play with her. We we play about one tournament a year, and other than that, I just help her when she's practicing. There we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, um, tell us a little bit about your struggle. What has been your vice? Um, because as we talk about this, you know, we're 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 trying to highlight people's stories, and we we want to share our stories because we believe that there's power in our testimonies and power in what God is doing in our lives and just seeing seeing his redemptive character in the midst of our life. So what has been that for you? Yeah. So um, my major vices were, uh, I, I would say, depression and alcoholism. Um, I've been sober since uh, November of 2020. Um, but prior to that, 
I had I dealing with a lot of depression and um, a lot of alcoholism in my life, and uh, God has just um, fortunately redeemed me from yeah. and healed me from a lot of those struggles over the past two years, and just renewed my mind and my spirit. Yeah. So you say you say alcoholism. Mm. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Was that just something that came about, or has this been a, a struggle for years? Yeah, so I, I would say that it just started out, uh, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I, I started drinking like everyone else, and it was just a good time, and um, it just progressively, something that I continued to do, uh, and as I got older, you know, most people stopped, and I just continued to to drink. I had some uh, different things happen in my life that I think triggered it, and I just, uh, it just got worse and worse um, until eventually... I kind of hit a breaking point uh, mentally. Yeah, just something you did, and yeah. then somewhere along the way, you're like, "Oh man, this is this has turned into a problem." Yeah, yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about that. Going back to college life, I know you played golf. You were probably one of the best best golfers in the state. Yeah, I I would say um, we. As a kid growing up in school, I always wanted to fit in, and I was always trying to find where I fit in. Right. Um, and then I did. I was I was really good at golf uh, in high school, and it kind of became my identity uh, in a way. And um, I went and played at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College for two years, and um, I played really well there. Uh, and I got a scholarship to go play at Southern Illinois University. Um, that that's that's a D one school, right? It is. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when I got there. Um, I kind of got around, around the wrong crowd. You know, I started to, um, to, to drink heavily, party heavily, and for whatever reason, I completely lost the ability to be good at golf, um, which <laughs> meant that kinda I had kind of lost. It away, I huh? kind of partied it away, and I had lost, uh, I guess, what my identity was, um, and it was kind of a downhill spiral. Uh, from there, just trying to figure out, you know, I didn't have Christ in my life, so just trying to figure out who I was and, um, you know, where my identity lied. Okay, so that's good. So great at golf, D1 scholarship. But just, just so we can know, like, what's, what's the best you've shot on the course? In, there was a tournament I shot 66 in. I, I think the best round that I've ever had was um, 64 is actually at Hattiesburg Country Club a, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. So not a lightweight. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> see, see, there's levels to this because I play soccer at mm-hmm. Gulf Coast. I also play tennis, but not comparable to what you were doing. Like you were actually doing it. Mm. I just yeah. got a scholarship to, you know, run with the team. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of good golfers out there, so I, I wouldn't say that I was that good. But I was good enough to play in in school. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So y- you get. Uh, get to Illinois, and um, all of a sudden you're not playing like you to the level that you were yeah. before. Talk a little bit about that. Why was that such a, a crisis for you, and and why did you begin to lean more so onto alcohol? Um, I don't know. I just think it was the one thing in my life that I had that I was really proud of. Yeah, uh, and I felt. You know, at the time, a lot of this I didn't see until I looked back. Um, but now I'm able to see at the time, I guess I was just stripped of the one thing that I felt like I was known for, the one mm-hmm. thing I was good at. Um, and and I think, I, you know, 
I have depression that runs in my family, and I think I just self-medicated with alcohol a lot. And, yeah. And I was already doing it, but when I lost that, it just kind of grew into a bigger monster than it was before. Yeah. So you would struggle with depression already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. M- maybe aware of it, not aware of it, but you drank so much that it didn't seem like a problem. Yeah, no. When, when, you're, uh, when you're drunk all the time, it, it kind of masks any of the feelings that you have. Uh, yeah. It just kind of numbs you to reality, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fast forward, you're living in Wiggins, working in Hattiesburg. Yeah. Um, more, more than just socially drinking, like this is... Yeah, it's kind of took a turn from, from socially drinking. And you know what's funny is I, w- I was a functional drunk. Um, you know, I was still able to keep my, uh, keep my job. Um, I was still able to, to do my job and do it effectively. I was able to get married with Heather. Um, you know, she had to put up with a lot of the stuff that I was dealing with at home that nobody really saw. Uh, it wasn't a social thing anymore. Alcohol had kind of taken me over and I'd really secluded myself. I, I wanted to drink by myself a lot at the house. Yeah. So we're talking about before bed, as soon as we wake up. As soon as we wake up, yeah. I, I would I would go to bed. Um, I would drink probably, I always tell people, 18 to 20 beers a day. Um, I would wake up and I would drink two or three just to get ready to hang over so I could start doing it again. Yeah. It, I, it was just a pattern. I just, I was relying on it. Right. So then there there comes a breaking point. Yeah. Right. There's There's stuff going on with the family. Um, and then you also get sick. Tell mm. us about that. Yeah. So, um, around 2020, um, my wife, she had some stuff going on in her family where, uh, she went really through a dark time and a, a dark place in her life. And I always say, you know, she was kind of like my floaty. She, you know, I was struggling, but she kind of kept me afloat. And well, when she sank, um, it, it was tough for me. And, uh, I decided to quit drinking in 2020. Um, and I just kind of white knuckled it. There wasn't really a specific reason. Uh, I drank too much the day before I wasn't able to drink the following day because I was so hungover. Um, and I had a day of sobriety under my belt and I just decided to, Hey, I felt a little better. I might try this again. (laughs) Had Uh, a little bit of clarity for the first time. I did. And, and I did that for a year, um, without Christ in my life. So you're saying, so you're saying you went, Woke up with a hangover, couldn't drink because you were sick, just couldn't get anything in your stomach. Yeah. Wake up the next day, have a sense of clarity, and you're like, I I like the feeling of this. Let's go another day. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how it happened. And I just, um, (laughs) I can. Bro, I've never heard that story before. Like, I've never heard anybody have that kind of story. Yeah. It's funny, you know, because I really, I can't pinpoint a reason. Uh, yeah. to why I quit drinking. There's not like a specific thing that happened the night before. Um, I, I laugh. I don't laugh. I, I mean, uh, I found out down the road that my grandmother and my mom had been praying and fasting for me like six months prior to yeah. that. Wow. Um, and now now that I know God, I have to think that, that had something to do with it. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So you, you go a year mm-hmm. just straight up willpower. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink. My life's going to gonna be better i'm not gonna be a slave to alcohol how was that you feel did you feel good were you did the depression like really pile on heavy during that time did you just feel liberated i was sober but i was miserable yeah i was miserable and i was just doing it like you said out of willpower 
um, I had to disconnect myself from a lot of the friends uh, that I was hanging around. Um, not necessarily because they were as bad off as I was. It was just it was a bad influence for what I was trying to stop doing. And, uh, yeah, so I, I did. I, I progressively became more and more depressed uh, leading into uh, the next year in November. Yeah, so, th- so that gets us into November of 22? Yeah, uh, 21. 21. Mm-hmm. And you wake up and come to church out of nowhere. Yeah, so I, I said earlier uh, when we started that we've been really plugged into Venture for two years. Um, we have been probably going to Venture off and on for five years. I always say that I went to Venture whenever my wife could drag me. Right, I venture. would see you from time to time. Yeah. And just for everybody listening, this is where we begin to see the redemptive part of Richie's story. So you show up to church November Yes, yeah, so I, I well to backtrack just a little bit. I, uh, I I became really depressed. My body was starting to shut down. I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't eat. Um, I couldn't sleep. I would go to bed at a normal time, nine or nine thirty, and uh, I would wake up at twelve, and I'd just be up all night. Miserable. Miserable. Losing sleep. Um, so that morning, uh, at about three in the morning, I wake up and I have what I would call a self harm thought. Um, I was really tired, and all I could think about, oh, I just wish I could like knock myself out. Yeah. And it scared me uh, because I'd never, that, that thought was foreign to me. Right. And I realized how close that thought is to a suicidal thought. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just crazy because I never wanted to go to church mm-hmm. and just immediately in my mind, just popped into my mind, you know, I need to go to church. So like at three in the morning, I'm shaking my wife and I'm saying, babe, we got to go to church. And I know she's thinking like, he is crazy. What is he talking about? And he what never is, wanted, he must happening? be having a bad dream. And, and um, and I tell her, like, we need to go. She's like, we'll go to the second service. And I'm like, no. So I get up. I leave her in the bed. I go to church by myself. And um, Yeah, I remember seeing you that day. And I'm like, what is Richie doing here by himself? Yeah. And, I, you know, I secluded myself. Um, and I, when I was in that deep, dark time of depression, I had believed so many of the lies that the enemy was telling me, you know, mm-hmm. not just being reliant on alcohol, but... Um, also, I had told myself that I'm not a people's person, which if you know me, that's probably, you know, that's yeah, not the true exact at all. opposite of what I know. And of you. Uh, I can just remember sitting in church. I didn't go to church and have like this aha moment. I, but I can remember the one thing I remember from going to church, I was so nervous to be around all the people because I had secluded myself so much. I just had like sweat just pouring down from my armpits. I saw terrible. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can remember that specifically. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, during during the whole COVID time, I remember that being a trend for a lot of people, being nervous to be back in public. It's such a such an odd time. Yeah. So you come to church, and um, then you just kind of kept coming back. Well, you know, when I left church that day, I kind of felt better. And um, I kind of felt better when I left church. And and then I got home and I kind of got back into the same ruts that I was in. I was yeah. depressed again. We had got invited to a house church from some friends that we know. Right. And uh, my wife was really wanting to go, of course. And by yeah. Wednesday, I was out. I didn't want to go. I was nervous. Right. I didn't want to be around you had people. You had again. this great feeling at church, very encouraged. Mm-hmm. Go back home, back into the rut. You know, you need to go on Wednesday. But now it's like, oh, man, I really just don't know if I want yeah. to. And I and I just kind of remembered the feeling that I had on Sunday. I just kind of forced myself to go. Yeah. Because I, I if 
I did not want to go. I remember pulling up to house, and this house church, this particular house church, had 40 people in it, probably 50 people, and I was just so nervous to walk in there. But it it was the best decision I ever made, Yeah, getting back in community. Yeah, so you get in community, uh, you begin reading, right? Yeah. Did, didn't your house church pastor or somebody in your house church give you a book to read? Did. Um, along um, with along with scripture, too. He did. And uh, thankfully, I had people that just grabbed a hold of me and poured into me. Uh, and he dropped, um, Coach Miller and Wiggins had dropped a book uh, from Tony Evans uh, named Kingdom Man yep. in my mailbox. And I started to read it. And as I'm reading it, it's, talk, it's taking biblical references to how we're supposed to lead our family as a man. And as I'm reading it, I'm realizing I'm failing in every single area. Mm. Um, so I started to put them into practice. Yeah. And, and I really say that's really kind of how I recognized uh, or how God came to life for me, I guess I would say, is I start to put these things into practice and I see how it changes not only my life, but my family and my daughter's life. Um, something as simple as just an example of sitting around a dinner table um, and having conversation with your daughter. That's something we just didn't do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you began, the, this sounds crazy, but you began applying the principles of scripture. That's right. As, as we had read in Matthew 7, whoever puts this into practice mm-hmm. will be blessed. And so you begin to put these teachings of Christ into practice. You're in, you're connected. You've got good friends who are believing the best in you, wanting the best for you. You're beginning to lead your family well. Um, you're in the Word. What what was some scripture that you began to hold on to during during this time? You know, I think back. Um, I another book that he had given me had. Um, really touched on the scripture in Daniel. I don't know the exact book or chapters, but the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Yeah. And it was talking about having an even-if faith. Right. Um, And at that time, you know, uh, I was getting plugged into church, but I was still dealing with some really bad depression problems. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had found out, you know, that the way that I had lived my life for the first 28 or 30 years of my life, it wasn't working. Obviously, right. so I was gonna. I was at the breaking point that I was willing to try anything. Yeah. Uh, so I started to implement God's way. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I I say that to say the the story in Daniel. You know when they're saying that um, I know my Lord can rescue me, but even if He doesn't, right. I'm not going to bow to you. So yeah. I you know I know God could heal me from depression, but even if He doesn't, um, I'm going to continue to live life in His way. Right. Right. Even if he doesn't, I'm not going back to the old way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. I've seen right. what hasn't worked. Yeah. I'm going to trust that I, that and, following God will. And I think uh, it was just amazing to me the understanding that I had. You know, the Bible's really simple, mm. um, but it's funny because before I didn't have any understanding. I, I know the verse in Proverbs that uh, I was telling you about yesterday, um, s- talking about. Uh, let me get it out of my phone so I can remember. Yeah, yeah, and that, as you look it up, talking about Scripture being simple, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, but it, it's a paradox. Like, so many of Jesus' teachings doesn't make sense on surface. And the only way we learn it, and the only way we see the power of it, really, is when we put it into practice for ourselves. Yeah. And then we begin to see the power of it. It's not loading on my phone. It's somewhere in Proverbs, and it's talking about, essentially, you are who you hang around. Yes, um, yeah. 
Um, the companion of fools suffers much harm. That's yeah, that's what it is. It's um, Proverbs thirteen twenty. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. Yeah, you know, it's a very simple practice. Something my dad told me my entire life, but it didn't make sense to me until God had revi- gave me the understanding yeah. of scripture. Yeah. yeah, and so we we really saw that. Like, saw you um, really get engaged. Chose to seek wisdom, walk with the wise. Um, you had already distanced yourself from, as that scripture would say, the companion of fools. Right. Um, but was missing the the walking with the wise piece, so you begin to implement that. Um, I remember we had a men's gathering where we taught on the importance of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just began to implement this in my life um, with, with my good friend Timmy, and uh, I was I was excited personally seeing how God was delivering me from sin that had been so prevalent in my life for years. And yeah. I taught on that one night at the men's gathering, and then next thing I know, you're, you and two other guys have an yeah. accountability group that went on for about two years. Yeah. And um, just saw a lot of power in that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that there's something to living in a godly community. If I could give advice to anyone, that's what I would say, is surround yourself with people that love God. Yeah. Uh, and, and someone that was in my spot, I think, uh, although it's hard advice, I think the best advice is I, that I could give them is the one thing that you really don't want to do for me, which was living in communities, the one thing that you really need to do. Yeah. Um, I know that's hard to do when you're in that depressed state of mind, but I think continually doing, um, making myself live in a godly community is what, you know, renewed my mind mm-hmm. as the Bible talks about. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, as a good rule of thumb, as we incorporate spiritual disciplines in our life, you know, the majority of our disciplines should probably be things that come natural to us or are easy for us. You know, like it's, it's not hard to prioritize prayer. You know, if you're good at reading, read a chapter a day. If you're not, read a verse a day. Figure, figure out what's easy and natural. But then it's probably good to have at least one thing that really stretches you. Right. And it's in that where you find the most growth. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think you're a living testimony of that. So, man, that's so good, Richie. Hey, I want to thank you for sharing your story and just being so willing to be transparent and speak of the word of your testimony, as it says in Revelations, because there's power in that and there's healing in that. Absolutely. Um, read this quote the other day. Angie actually sent it to me. It says, once you find meaning in what you are going through, then it's no longer suffering. Mm. And I'm sure that has been true for you as you've looked back, you've seen the meaning of what you went through. And we talked about this some the other day, like, you know, if you could do it over again, probably wouldn't have chose that, but God leveraged that in your life. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. For sure. So to everybody out there, just know God is working all things for your good if you love Him. So continue to lean into Him. If you're struggling with depression, if you're feeling isolated, then we just want to encourage you, seek out that community. Reach out to somebody, and uh, whether that's whether that's a campus pastor, someone on staff, house church pastor, a, a good friend who's going to speak truth into your life, begin to reach out and know that there is healing on the other side of this for you and for your story. So, Richie, thanks again. 
We appreciate you, and I love you. Thank you for being a good friend and just for sharing your story with us. Love you, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode. If you are encouraged by this conversation, you can tune in for more bonus episodes about stories of faith and healing. And coming up this year, we are launching a new podcast called Share Your Story, where we will share stories of how God has moved in a powerful way in the lives of people in our church. In the show notes, you'll find resources, recommended content, and a link to share your story with us. Remember, our stories have power, so share this story with a friend and be faithful to share your story of what God has done.